we are going to look at nine steps to discovering God's will for my life. Now, if you want to break it down differently, you're welcome to. There's nothing special about dividing it into nine steps, and there are ways that you could divide it differently, but this is the way that I've broken down this process, and it's helpful to me, and I'm hoping that it'll be helpful to you as well. So this morning, we saw from John chapter 7, our need to desire God's will, to desire what it is that God desires. Tonight, we're going to be making it a lot more practical and saying, so now we're assuming that I desire, I want to do what God wants me to do. So what is it that God wants me to do? So before we dig into this, let's pause and ask the Lord's blessing. Our dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing as we look at your word, as we look at just some practical steps to understanding what your will is for our lives. We ask that you'd guide us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, let's talk about what God's will is. What do I mean by that term? Again, I mean what it is that God desires us to do in our lives. So this would include our thoughts, our words, our actions. And we are going to see nine steps to discovering God's will for each of our lives. So some of these steps are very practical. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them. Others we're going to spend some more time on. So our first step is one of these that's very practical. I don't have a Bible verse for it. Step one is you have to select a decision you have to make. Life is full of decisions. And if you're going to determine God's will on a matter, first you've got to have a matter to decide God, to find God's will on. Very practical. I don't have a Bible verse to tell you, though there are many decisions made in Scripture. And really, the path to discovering God's will for your life is not this entire timeline of your life that you ask God to show me your will and he gives you the entire timeline. It's, it, you discover God's will one decision at a time. So this could be a simple decision, like, am I going to do this task or am I going to do this task? Or it could be a much more difficult decision. Am I going to leave my job? Am I going to accept this other job offer? Am I going to move across the country? Am I going to pursue a certain relationship? Those kinds of decisions are a little bit more difficult. But any of these decisions would be what we select here in step one. We are looking to see what it is that God desires us to do in regard to this decision that we select. Now, I realize we make hundreds, if not thousands, of decisions every day. And you are not going to take every one of those and cut them down into pieces to think through them like this. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks like this, and you don't, won't cut down any of your decisions like this. But it might be helpful for you, especially with those larger decisions. You might be lost sometimes. Like, how do I even start to figure out how to respond to this? 
All right, step two, ask God for wisdom. And this is a step that really could be repeated. We could have step three, and then step four could be ask God for wisdom. We could have step five, and then step six could be ask God for wisdom. We could repeat it throughout, but I put it here because it is important. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1, and verse 5. James chapter 1 and verse 5. Well-known verse. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally. The idea there is without restraint, and upbraideth, or doesn't rebuke, uh, upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So, you want to know how to make a decision, you need to start by asking for God's wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, again, very well-known verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own, thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That idea of acknowledging him, we need to seek his counsel, his will. We need to ask him for wisdom. If we desire to please the Lord with our lives, then we must make decisions prayerfully, seeking his will. Now, there may be some times where you know what God's will is and you don't even need to pray about it. You just know that this is so clearly God's will. Maybe in that case you need to pray about how to do what you know is God's will, that he would give you the courage and the grace to do it. We need to ask God for wisdom. So far we've selected a decision and we've prayed about it. Let's go to step three. Step three, break it down. This would be especially if we're talking about a larger decision. Let's say we were talking about moving across the country. Well, there might be different facets of the decision that we need to consider. How does this impact my relationship with my family? How does this impact my relationship with the Lord? Um, what about being a part of a good church? What about my finances? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? There, there's just a whole range of things. And you might have to just choose one of those and say, I'm just going to focus on the financial side of this decision. Figure out whether this is a wise decision financially. And then look at the relationship side of the decision. Say, this is, is this a wise decision in, with my relationships, but just break it down, think it through in its parts. But again, I'm not going to spend much time here. This is just a practical step. Step four, and this is where you would expect we would come, examine scripture. As I mentioned this morning, scripture is the primary place 
in which we will find what God's will is for our lives. Now, I want to say something, and this is part, partly what motivated me to study this initially. And I will say that these steps were something that I put together, oh, two years ago now, I think. Um, but I have friends, Christian friends, people who genuinely love the Lord, and you may have people like this, who will say to you, the Lord told me to do this. And my thinking is always, okay, I don't know of a Bible verse that says that. So what are you telling me? Are you telling me that God spoke to you audibly? And usually that's not what they mean. They're, they're saying that God guided them to this particular decision. And we'll talk about providential guidance in just a minute. But I think it is helpful when we're talking to somebody to be clear and not say, God told me if God didn't, in so many words, tell you. But we'll, we'll get to the providential guidance in a minute, but f for right now, I want to emphasize Scripture is the primary place where we find God's will for our lives. So if somebody comes to you and says that they had a dream, that they, that God told them something in a dream, well, I would be at least, at the very least, skeptical of that. And, this is very important, if in their dream they are told something that contradicts Scripture, this is our authority, not the dream, not some other means of guidance. So why do we, why do we put Scripture on such a high level? Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3? Again, these are very well-known verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. We give Scripture this place in our lives because it has been breathed out by God. It is God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, that means God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The idea there is that the person who uses God's word is going to be completely equipped for every good work, every good thing that God wants us to do. So, why do we look elsewhere for God's will? This is the primary place where we find it. So we need to study it. We need to examine it. And this next step could be, could be a part of this step, and that is to synthesize Scripture. In other words, 
when you're studying Scripture, you're going to find some verses in one part of Scripture, some verses in another part of Scripture. Sometimes you may find verses that seem to emphasize one, one side of, a, of an issue, another side that seems to emphasize another side, and you've got to put them together and see what does the entirety of Scripture say about this matter. For example, if we were considering a new employment opportunity where we would be making less money than we are now. I don't think, I don't know how many of you would even consider that. But let's say we were considering that, and maybe there was some reason that we needed to consider that. But we would need to consider what Scripture says about financial responsibility, about the need to provide for one's household, and so on. Sometimes we're going to have biblical principles that collide or seem to collide. For example, in this instance, let's say my projected income is going to be less than my projected expenses. Am I living by faith or am I living foolishly? I can't even answer that question because it all depends on the situation and why all the details are that way. There might be an instance where that would be a good thing to do for a short time, but there's, the, there's too many factors to even, to even start to answer just a simple scenario like that. That there are times that that would be living foolishly. So that's what I'm trying to say, that there's, there's going to be some conflicting or seemingly conflicting principles. So, so we've got to put things together in Scripture. So what I'm saying is that some decisions are going to be clearly answered. You look at Scripture, this is what Scripture says, there's no denying it. Uh, like a phrase that Dr. Ennis up at Hamilton Square likes to say, there's some things so clear in Scripture that to deny them would be to deny the meaning of words themselves. They're just that clear. But there are other things that aren't quite that clear in Scripture. So it might require more study. It might require putting things together, coming to an interpretation. And even then, we might be unsure but if we are sure, we come to step six. And I don't know why that got brighter. At least on the screen back there it did. Maybe it didn't. Um, step six, do the biblical option. If there's one option that's clearly what God's word teaches, then you have to do it. It's not enough to know God's will. It's not enough to desire God's will. You've got to do it. You've got to actually do it. Turn with me, if you would, another well-known passage, James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, Deceiving your own selves. 
For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So if there's an option that is clearly biblical, the other options are unbiblical, then we have to choose the biblical option. Sadly, life isn't always that simple. It would be nice if life were that simple. The Bible doesn't give us an answer to every question. For example, let me use myself as an example. Nowhere in the Bible did the Bible tell me that I was supposed to come here to Calvary Baptist Church of Hollister. And nowhere in the Bible did it tell you that you were supposed to come to this church. Now, for most of you, you already live in the city of Hollister, so there'd be different factors. But for me, there's nothing that says, okay, I'm going to do an internship. There's nothing in the Bible that says I'm supposed to go to Hollister to do that internship. So how do you make that kind of decision? And I can tell you that there isn't a doubt in my mind that it was God's will for me to come here. But the Bible doesn't tell me that. So how do I, how do I have that confidence? We're going to talk about that. With, this will bring us then to step seven, which is consider providence. Now, providence is just a general term that includes a variety of ways that God can guide us. In ways, I, this is the caution I would put on it. I would say providential means of God's guidance are not authoritative. In the sense that they are not so clearly given to us that if we were to do something else, we would be disobeying in clear disobedience to God. But it is nevertheless guidance. And I believe it comes from the Lord. Providence is God working in seemingly ordinary ways. In fact, I would venture so far as to say that most of God's working in this world is not the miraculous but it's the providential. It's ordinary people doing seemingly ordinary things, but the Lord is guiding and is orchestrating those things together. For example, ordinary believers like you were one of God's providential means of guiding me to stay here. Well, those were individual people, individual families making decisions about their finances. Those are ordinary, normal things. But God used each of those factors to guide me. Another providential means that God uses, that he used in my life, is the counsel of mentors, the counsel of other people, whether that is your parents, your pastor, good friends, 
God uses a variety of counsel. In fact, the, the book of Proverbs says, in the multitude of counselors there is safety, I believe is the word it uses. So, it could be the circumstances of life. It could be the counsel of others. It could be your own desires. God can guide you through your own desires. Perhaps that wouldn't be considered a primary means of God's guidance, but it's certainly a means of God's guidance. I remember one time someone asked me, so why do you want to be a preacher, pastor? And I made some comment about, well, I really enjoy preaching. He's like, so you want to become a pastor because you enjoy it? And when, when he asks the question, it makes you feel bad, like that's a bad reason. But I, what I came back to is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, if a man desire the office of bishop, it's a desire. It's, it's, that's not wrong if God guides you through your desires. And the, yet another means of God's guidance would be simply weighing advantages, disadvantages. All right. Now, this might be a little bit more debatable. What about using a test to determine God's guidance? Do you remember Gideon and his fleece? Gideon, the Lord told Gideon directly that he should go fight the Midianites. So Gideon really didn't have any reason to seek validation that this was really the Lord's will. But, but let's consider maybe if that guidance hadn't been as clear, would have been okay, would have been right for Gideon to do that. And more to the point, is it something that we should be doing? Again, I don't have a Bible verse for this. But I think it is foolish of us to presume that God is going to guide us by the test that we set up. Even if, if he hasn't said that he would answer that way. I might get in trouble here because... My mom listens to my sermons. But this hits up close to home in my family. When my parents were dating, and I forget if this was during the dating phase or the engagement phase or when it was, but my mom, wanting what the Lord wanted in her life, not wanting to marry the man that wasn't God's will for her life, put a test out. She said, if it's, and I could have this mixed up, but for the sake of the story, I'm just going to continue. It's, it, I don't remember which way it goes, but she said, if it's sunny on this particular day, I'll know that it's the Lord's will for me to marry him. Well, guess what? It was cloudy. Well, my dad was a good Bible scholar, and he did what you'd expect. He was very thorough at convincing her 
otherwise. But that's not a good way of determining God's will for your life. But we're tempted to do that sometimes, aren't we? We just, we just want to know what God's will is, and we just, we just want it so clear. Now, I want to give an example from my own life of a test I think that might be appropriate. I think if a test is closely related, and we have a biblical example of this I'll talk about in just a minute. I think if the test is closely related to the decision, then it is more helpful. For example, when I was in college, my last year of college, I had, during my fall semester, I took four classes. Three of those classes went the entire length of the semester. One class was just the last half of the semester. And I knew that if I let those first three classes, if I just did them as if, you know, just based on when things were due, I would end up with the second half of the semester that was too busy to take that fourth class. So I set myself a little test. I made a list of certain assignments. These aren't due until later in the semester, but I need to get these done by halfway through the semester. And if I don't, then I'll know it's not the Lord's will for me to take that fourth class. Because I don't want to kill myself. And I think that kind of a test might be appropriate. And like I said, we've got a biblical example of this kind of a test. And that is Abraham's servant. Remember, Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. And Abraham, or the servant comes to this well of water, and he prays to the Lord and asks the Lord to help the, that he would guide him to just the right woman by some certain criteria that she would, he would ask her, I believe I'm getting the story right, he would ask her if she would give him some water to drink, and she would agree this is the criteria now. She would agree, but she would also offer to provide water for his camels. So what is he doing? I think what he's doing is he's providing a test of, is this young lady hospitable? Is she going to be a good fit for my master's son in that culture. Of course, in our culture, if we made a test like that, I don't think you're going to find a young lady that's going to offer to water your camels. <laughs> so, those are the examples. I would, I would venture to say, don't try a Gideon type of test, but perhaps you could try an Abraham servant kind of test in this kind of a situation where you've already considered, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible speak to this matter? No, it doesn't. So, therefore, I'm considering other means of God's guidance. So, then we come to step eight. Again, simple. Make a decision. If you, if the last step provided guidance toward a decision, then make a decision. But, sometimes you might have people who advise you one way and people who advise you another way. The advantages and disadvantages 
might not give a clear path forward. Maybe your own desires aren't certain. Well, before you spend too long hashing and rehashing these apparently equally good options, you also have to remember that not making a decision is a decision. So at some point, you just have to make a decision. And I would even go so far as to say, if you can't make the decision, then maybe you need to roll some dice or flip a coin and just go with the decision. Because you can't just stagnate if there's a decision that needs to be made. And then we come to our final step, which is trust the Lord. You will be tempted to second-guess your decision. It doesn't matter what decision you make, you're going to be tempted to second-guess it. You'll wonder, well, was that really the best decision? But I want to encourage you, if you've made a decision in accord with Scripture, in accord with whatever providential guidance God has given you, then you should just trust the Lord that you've made the right decision. Unless, or until, some new providential guidance suggests a different course of action. So again, my goal this evening has been to be extremely, perhaps too practical. Perhaps I've dissected the process too much for you. But I know it's been helpful for me to think through it like this. Again, priority is, what does God's Word say? But then beyond that, consider these other providential means of God's guidance. So I encourage you to seek what God wants in your life and to do it. If these steps are helpful to you, use them. If they're not helpful, discard them. But seek to do God's will in your life. As we saw this morning, we need to have that desire 